Welcome to Seeds of Hope. Listen now to this encouraging and uplifting message of faith and trust in our Lord, shared by Father Mike Moore. I'm going to start with a little story that's in the book of Genesis. It's the first eight verses of chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oak of Mamre, as he sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. Looking up, he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them and bowing to the ground, he said, sir, if it please you, do not go on past your servant. Let some water be brought that you may bathe your feet and then rest under the tree. Now that you have come to your servant, Let me bring you a little food that you may refresh yourselves and afterward you may go on your way. Very well, they replied, do as you have said. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three measures of bran flour, knead it and make bread. He ran to the herd, picked out a tender choice calf and gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. Then he got some curds and milk, as well as the calf that had been prepared, and set these before them, waiting on them under the tree while they ate. The word of the Lord. Now the author of Genesis here really wants to highlight the gift of hospitality. Now I know many of you come from cultures where hospitality is a premier value. And so it is for the Jewish people. You see a lot of that in the Old Testament, and really it's in the New Testament a lot too. I want to point out a few things about this passage. In chapter 17, which is right before this one, we hear twice that Abraham is 99 years old. And here's what we hear about Abraham. When he's sitting at the tent, at the entrance of the tent, it's, it's almost as if the author is telling us he's waiting for somebody to come. And then when he sees these three, he runs to them. Now, the first thing I thought of was, 99 years old? And he's running? This guy's in great shape. Not only that, he hurries into the tent to see Sarah. Then he runs to the herd. So underlining how enthusiastic he is about this opportunity to serve these three. And then what kind of uh, hospitality does he offer to them? As soon as he greets them, he says, let's bring some water to wash your feet. So they're walking through the desert. And then he says, sit under the tree here so you can get some nice shade. Then he asks them if he can give a meal. So he asks Sarah to quickly make some bread, take three measures, knead it and make bread goes out and picks a tender choice calf. He's going to give them his best. Get some curds and milk. And then finally, he's going to wait on them himself. This is hospitality that wows. Have you ever had hospitality that wowed you? I want to tell you a story. It happened a couple of years ago. It's a priest, a friend of mine. It was right before Christmas, and he was leaving the office. One of the other employees asked him 
Father, what are you doing for Christmas? He said, well, you know what? I'm going to take this guy out to lunch. I've gotten to know a homeless man who lives where I walk, and I've gotten to know him over the time, and I said, hey, why don't you go to lunch with me on Christmas? And the guy agreed. So the, the employee, when she heard that, she was so impressed by that, she said, listen, let, let me give you some money. Let me take you both out. So she's offering hospitality. So you don't have to just offer hospitality when you're at your house. You can do it anywhere. She wanted to give them a meal. So she gives my friend $100. And he said, well, it's not going to cost $100 to go to this lunch place. I'll tell you what. I'll take 50 and you keep 50. I'll help this man. We'll have lunch together. And you offer hospitality to someone else that you'd like to do that with. So you see how it's starting to spread out here? So it's Christmas Day, all the masses are over. I don't know how my friend had the energy to do this because usually when Christmas masses are over for me, I can't move a muscle. But he, he went to the lunch place, the man was there, had his backpack, they went in for lunch. And when they walk in, my friend recognizes at the other table is an elderly usher who's been such a wonderful servant of the Lord for many decades. And my friend knew that he was living on a very fixed income. So he tells the waitress when she comes over, I'll cover his lunch too. So you see how the $50 is going to get spent. So then they have dinner. They have the, the, the beautiful meal. At the end of it, Bill comes. And now a homeless man takes a $20 bill out of his pocket. The bill was $17. He said, Father, let me pay. And my friend said, no, 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 I invited you. You need that money. You need that money. And the man said to him, Father, please, let me pay. You don't know what it means that you invited me to Christmas lunch. Let me pay. Now, my friend knew at that moment he needs to let him pay. It's a matter of dignity. So they go up to the counter. My friend pays with the $20 bills. He pays their, their ticket. And he's starting to work on the other guy's ticket. And somebody in the uh, restaurant, one of the servers, comes running up to him and says, Father, I haven't seen you in 20 years. You baptized my baby. So she says to the cashier, I'll cover his bill. <laughs> and the cashier said, well, we already paid his bill. He's paying for somebody else now. I'll pay for the other person. So my friend walks out of there with $50. <laughs> to give hospitality to somebody else. You know, that is the story of where hospitality wows. It's beautiful. How it kept spreading. It's really beautiful. So how has hospitality wowed you in your life? And here's the question, though, for us. How can we be like that even more in our work in the pastoral center or in our parishes? You know, in the 1990s, I was at Christ the King as pastor, and I was starting to get more focused on this idea of welcoming and hospitality. And this is why I call it the foundational virtue. Because unless somebody's been welcomed, it feels like you care about them and you want them there, Nothing else can happen. There can't be a real encounter. They can't, they can't meet Christ in that moment. 
But when we offer that kind of hospitality, great things can happen. It's foundational. So I called up our HR department here. It was before Joe. I think Tom was here at the time, Tom Schroeder. And I said, Tom, we got workshops for priests and deacons, DREs, teachers, youth ministers. Are there any workshops for our receptionists and administrative assistants? I mean, they're, they're on the front line. Most of the people who encounter the parish or, or call into the pastoral center, that's who, they, that's who they meet first. There should be some workshops for them. He said, you know, you're right, but there aren't right now. He offered me the suggestion, why don't you go to one of those secular workshops on customer service? So I said, that's a good idea. Remember how those used to come out? I don't know if they still do anymore, but they used to come out $99. You know, you can go to this workshop. And there's like 400 people there. So I went with our receptionist and our, our uh, ministry of assistance because I knew I had to go because they were telling me, Father, why are we going to this? I knew I had to translate when we were there. And they really had great principles. They said at that time, Nordstrom was top, number one. No one was anywhere near Nordstrom in terms of welcome, hospitality, customer service. They also told us, customer service is so bad right now in our culture, if you do just a little bit, you're way ahead of a lot of other people. Shouldn't we be the best at this? Because who we're welcoming in our mind and heart and our recognition, person coming in, they are made in the image and likeness of God. We're not doing this because of profit. We're doing this because we're encountering Jesus. People should be coming to us to find out how to be welcoming with other people. So when I taught in the seminary, I taught a lot of pastoral ministry courses. And I used to say in our course, the introduction to pastoral ministry, at least 10 times in the semester, I would somehow refer to what I'm about to tell you now. I would say to them, no matter who is coming to you, for what? When you're serving as a priest, or any other capacity, really. Remember, the always, the unspoken question is, do you care? They won't say it, but it's always there. Let me give you an example. Say somebody comes into the parish office, and I'm doing something else. I didn't greet them right away. I didn't even acknowledge them for about a minute and a half. I finish what I'm doing, and I come up. May I help you? And they say, well, I would like to know what the masses are here on the weekend. Here's the bulletin. And they walk out. If there's anybody in the car, the first thing they say is, they don't even care. See, it's always there. So I told the guys, somehow, some way, in every encounter, it doesn't matter if it's like a trivial thing or a huge thing, somehow, some way, we have to communicate that we care. Now, I don't recommend this. Somebody comes in and you, and you lean over the counter and say, oh man, I really care about you. <laughs> because they will run the other direction. <laughs> No, but it's with our eye contact, it's with our smile, it's with the tone of our voice, it's with the time that we share with them. And when they go out, they notice that too. The question gets answered a little different way. They say, that is a really friendly place. I think we just found our home. 
That's the kind of response you get then. So I'd like to share with you briefly three characteristics of hospitality. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot more qualities you could put on here. But these are three basic ones that I thought about. Number one is making space. When we offer people hospitality, we make space for them. In the book of Kings, there's a scene in there after Elisha has visited a couple. Now he's come by their house a few times already. It's after he's gone by. And the wife says to the husband, we should build a room on the roof of the house for him. He comes here quite often. He'd have his own room. He'd know we love having him here. That's making space. So the first thing we do is that. You know, that's the reason we've, we've mentioned it a few times, why we want to keep the first five parking spaces clear in our parking lot out in front, at least the first five. Because we don't want people having to walk to get to the, to the door because we got the spot. So making space. I was at a parish not too long ago, and I thought, wow, they did a great job with this. I walked in, very friendly, welcoming person right there, able to talk to me right away. They had um, like a Persian rug on the floor. They had beautiful, uh, comfortable chairs there. They had a bookcase there with books in it, and there was a sign on the bookcase that said, if you like it, take it. Number two, paying attention. When we're hospitable, we pay attention to the other person. You know what it does? It gets us out of looking in here or being self-absorbed. And we're now we're looking outside. We're looking at the other person. And we're wondering, what can we do for them? So people will say things like that. In my house in Chicago, we didn't call it a living room. It, the living room was actually called the front room. And it was a room we weren't allowed in as kids too much, because that was, that was the space, right? That was the space for the guests. Well, when people would come over, we would not go invite them into the living room and then say, hey, we'll see you in about 15 minutes. We're going to go work on the dinner. You, you wouldn't leave them there. You'd have somebody's job is to be there and to have a conversation. You'd ask them if they want something to drink. Well, how about a cream soda? And they'd say, well, <laughs> we don't have cream soda. <laughs> and then they would say, many times they'd say, you know what, the store is a block down the street. Let me go get it for you. That's paying attention. And finally, the third one I want to mention this morning is when we show kindness. I think when we're hospitable as human beings, we're at our best. We're at our best. There's a kindness there that recognizes the value of the relationship, the dignity of the person, the importance they have in God's eyes and God's love for them. Those three qualities. But it's not always easy giving hospitality, is it? We know that. We know that every day. You have people who call, and it's not easy. I'll tell you one that happened to me when I was a young priest. Uh, the receptionist told me, hey, there's a lady on the phone and she's not happy. And she wants to have her baby baptized. So I was prepared. There was, there was a good message to give to me before I picked up the phone. And she went on right away. She launched into it. If you don't baptize my child, I'm leaving the Catholic Church. She said, you know what that other church did? Because she didn't belong to our parish. She belonged to a parish that was a half an hour away. You know what they asked me? 
Are you putting money in the basket? Now I'm thinking to myself, I can't imagine somebody asking that question in exactly those words. I think what did happen is this. With some tone, they were greeted with, are you registered here? That's probably what happened. So she was going on and I was like, I didn't know what to do, but I did learn this early on. In the first few seconds, I make an analysis. Are we on the logical level or are we on the emotional level? If we're on the emotional or the anxiety level, and it's high, there's no use me explaining rules. I knew right away she was on the anxiety, emotional level. So all of a sudden it just came to me, well, tell me about your baby. Silence. What? Yeah, I mean, when were they born? How, how big was she? Then he started telling me a few facts. I said, uh, so um, how old is she? Six weeks. Are you sleeping through the nights yet? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, well, congratulations. Congratulations on the birth of your child. And you want to give your child the gift of eternal life. That's exactly what we want. Congratulations. Now I can hear her smiling on the phone. And then I tell her exactly the thing she has to do that she heard on the other call. And she tells me, well, that makes sense. You know, we gotta have a little class. This is such an important point in your child's life. Isn't it good to like prepare to know exactly what it means? And so then at the end of the call, she says, can I join your parish? And I thought to myself on the spot, that's not gonna be a good idea. She's th <laughs> 30 minutes away. She's not going to church much now. What's the chances she, with a child, she's gonna come across town. So I said to her, you know, I know the person who does baptism over at your parish and does all the preparation. What if I call her up? She's a great person. She would love to talk to you. She's trying to repair that relationship there because that's where it needs to be. Let me tell you about a foundational story for me. It's told to me by a priest. His name is Father John Fulenbach. He taught in Rome for 30 years. He's a German priest. I think that's where he lives now in retirement. So he's the kind of guy that he reads the scripture and he reads something and he says, what does that mean? What does that look like? I remember the first time I met him, I picked him up at Tampa International. He was giving a retreat for our deacon candidates. And he came off the plane, he came out of the, into the baggage area, and he had this little satchel here. I said, Father, you want to get your bag? It's a week-long retreat. Oh, no, this is all I got. I said, so you got for a whole week? He said, yes, about all I own. Get out of here. <laughs> so he said, yeah, I don't buy any clothes. I tell my relatives, you want to buy me a shirt? Buy me a shirt. He buys two things a year. He buys two pair of shoes. He buys a new pair of good shoes, and he buys one pair of sandals. I wanted to go home and go through my whole closet after talking to him. <laughs> so he's reading about compassion and the hospitality that the sisters of Mother Teresa are offering in India. This is at the very beginning, before she became famous. He knew her. So he calls her up and said, Sister, can I come and just stay with your sisters for a couple weeks? I just want to watch and see how you are with the people. He wanted to learn, what does compassion look like? So she said yes. So he went out there. And the home for the dying is not nearly as big as this room. The ceiling is much, much lower. It's kind of dark in there, actually. And they go out every day, the sisters. 
and they go to look for the people who are dying on the streets. Usually they go to the dump, the trash heap, because that's where the people are. They're looking for food. So they went out there and there was a guy laying right at the base of the hill. But they couldn't take him because there were people there that day who were more, more close to death. Next day they come back, he's in the same spot. He hasn't even moved. So Father John says to the sisters, let me help. He wants to be compassionate, wants to be hospitable. So what they do is they got a gurney right here and they lean down. Father John's right behind the guy's shoulders. Another person is at his feet and they're gonna lift him onto the gurney. So they begin to lift him underneath the shoulders and as they start to lift, he opens his eyes and he spits right in Father John's face. And he told us, I couldn't control my reaction. I was filled with rage. Inside, my mental thoughts were going like this. What is the matter with you? I came thousands of miles here. We're, we're trying to help you. And you're gonna spit in my face. So, put him on the gurney. He's not feeling compassionate. He's feeling angry. And then he's feeling guilty about feeling angry. He's feeling confused. So they go down to the home, and as they're about to go in, the sisters can read his face, evidently, because they say to him, Father, we'll take it from here. And he says, now I, I understand this because I'm German descent as well. He says to them, I said I was gonna be compassionate. I'm gonna be compassionate. <laughs> We got, a, we got a very strong sense of stubbornness. Uh, but he's, he's, not, he's not feeling compassion. So anyway, he, he washes him, he clothes him, puts him in a place where he's comfortable. Now he said to us when he got done with all that, he says, you can't stand around when you're with Mother Teresa. You gotta be working all the time. So in the middle of the room is a table with um, people donated clothes. What they do is they cut the clothes and then they roll bandages. That's, and so he went over to the bandage table. So as he's over there rolling the bandages, he sees a, a young nun, right where you are, Katie. And she's trying to give a bath to a little boy. Probably little boys like that, eyes up on a little stool. And this kid is pitching a fit. He's swinging at her, he's throwing the water at her. And Father John is rolling the bandages and he says, this compassionate stuff is not easy. Look, she's having trouble too. <laughs> So then all of a sudden, Mother Teresa walks in and she starts visiting around the room. Eventually she comes right here and the kid is still pitching a fit. And so Mother Teresa says to the young nun to go do something else, she's gonna give the bath. Now Father John is over here, you know, right over the top of the bed. And these are his words. He said, let's see what the big shot does. <laughs> She picked up the sponge and that kid swung at her, threw the water at her. He doesn't know she's Mother Teresa. So he said the next thing he'll never forget, she stepped back, wiped herself off. And then she went up to him and she hugged him, you know, like a big hug. And she started rocking back and forth. And Father John said it went a long time. And then finally, she released him. 
She picked up the sponge, and he was completely docile. Father John told us that day, I knew I was in the presence of a saint. That's how God loves us. And you know, you see what happened there? She gave him time, space. She was totally focused on what he needed. And she was oh so kind. So I think about this story all the time. Because for me, it's a mirror and an icon. It's a mirror because many times I'm like what happened to Father John. You know, when, the, when people are so grateful, don't you just love serving the church and serving the Lord? You say, ah, this is why I do this, you know? And you might even, you know, you just love this. It's so fulfilling. But we all have times when either literally or figurative, somebody spits in our face and they don't accept the hospitality. What do we do then? So that's the mirror as he reacted. I still got to face that in myself. It's a mirror to me. But it's also an icon. You know, in Eastern spirituality in the church, an icon is a window into heaven, as they literally call it that. And that's what that moment was. He saw into heaven, into the kingdom. That's how we're called to be. So it's an icon for me to also walk towards that reality and make it a reality more and more in my life. So hospitality blesses both ways. You know, Abraham and Sarah, we don't know that they know that that's God. It doesn't say. You can't tell. Did they know? Did he know? You can't tell. It doesn't say it. But they were blessed. They received a son a year later. My priest friend, who, by the way, and he gave me permission, is Monsignor Morris. And the employee who started all that in that big direction is Stephanie Boyle. Two of our employees meet on the way out, and they they discover a plan is before them. And they go out. It's beautiful imagery of our whole call. So his blessing was that he was so edified by his friend who paid for that lunch and by all the others who gave hospitality around him. I want to close with this. I love this line from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to the stranger, for by it some have entertained angels without knowing it. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know. God bless you. If you would like to subscribe to the Seeds of Hope Reflections, just search Seeds of Hope with Father Mike in your web browser or wherever podcasts are available.